I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. It's Sunday, the morning after Miami takes down Virginia 19-14 to in a sloppy game. But Miami, 5-1, and one, heading into the bye week. David Lake is joining me, as always, on the podcast. David was at Hard Rock Stadium last night. I watched it from home. David, are you panicking? Uh, what, what is your reaction after this win? Because if I, as I had my coffee this morning and I read, you know, the social media feeds and the message boards, it seems like a lot of people are not happy with, um, I guess, I mean, I think they're happy with the win, but the product that was on the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, I understand some of the frustrations. I do. Um, you know, I think it's, it's mainly about expectations, right? And I think the expectation going into this game was that Miami would win fairly comfortably. And I think that was a fair expectation to have if Virginia was without their starting quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, who, you know, his status was somewhat up in the air. He was coming out of the concussion protocol. Would he play? Would he not play? Um, he ended up playing and, you know, we saw why having him is a big deal in this game. Uh, he, he's a crafty pesky quarterback that can make plays with his legs and he's good enough throwing the ball. And he kept Miami's defense off balance. Um, so, you know, I think that was, a significant factor in, in what the game looked like. But look, did Miami play the cleanest game? No, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it and, and tell you that the Hurricanes played great. You know, I, I think it was a C plus B minus performance, but you know, Miami found a way to win. And like you said, they're five and one. And, you know, there were some positives from the game, which I'm sure we'll get into, like the deep passing game uh, becoming it, unlocked. Yeah, it came alive, man. First drive, it was like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, you had the 36-yard pass to Will Mallory on, on the wheel route. Uh, honestly, I think probably one of Will's better catches in his time at Miami in terms yeah. of adjusting in the air. And, you know, everyone always talks about or mentions how me and you are like huge Will Mallory fans. And it's like, well, because we, we've seen him do stuff like that or know that he's potential, he can do that. Uh, and then the next snap, you have Derek King finding uh, Mike Harley for, I think it was what, a 43-yard touchdown yeah. and, and Miami was on the board and you thought, man, they're just going to roll him. Um, and obviously that didn't happen as it turned into more 
uh, of a situation where Miami had to hold on. I mean, there was times when it felt like Miami was in complete control of the game, but it did get a little um, interesting there late. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, Miami set the tone early. Um, You know, I think once again, you know, we saw some very nice play design from Rhett Lashley on that Mike Harley touchdown in which he, um, you know, put a formation out there that forced Virginia to have a linebacker in coverage on Mike Harley. And that's a matchup Miami should win 10 times out of 10. And Miami did. So credit to Rhett Lashley for that play. You know, he, he continues to uh, design plays that generate explosive touchdowns this season. And that's something different. We haven't seen that at Miami in a while and deserves to be highlighted. But yes, Miami had to hold on, um, you know, for dear life to, to earn this victory. I think, you know, we saw it a little bit last week. Miami was on the other side of this uh, against Pittsburgh, where Miami's defense did a nice job in the red zone against Pittsburgh. This week, Virginia's defense bowed up in the red zone um, when, you know, if Miami was able to get that, um, you know, there's that third quarter drive where Miami gets it to the one yard line and they couldn't punch it in, had to settle for a field goal. I think if, if Miami does punch that in for a touchdown, the game might look totally different. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the margins that you're dealing with when you're playing power five football, you got to take advantage of those moments and Miami didn't. And so it was a a tighter game than maybe it should have been. You mentioned a word a couple minutes ago, pesky. And I think that is like the perfect way to describe what Virginia is like in all phases of the game. Um, You know, they do not have a, as talented of a roster, obviously, as Miami, but they game plan well. They get creative. I thought what they did on offense was just like yeah. annoying in terms of, uh, you know, Miami. I'm assuming they anticipated all four of those quarterbacks playing, or they weren't sure what Brennan Armstrong was going to do. But um, they had Keontae Thompson like running the ball. Uh, he caught a pass, had an impressive catch. Uh, Ira Armstead was in there, like. They just do a lot of annoying things on offense, and they do a lot of annoying, pesky things on defense. Uh, they're, they're very good schematically, I guess, is what I'm saying. And I, I think Bronco Mendenhall is a pretty good coach. And, I mean, what does that mean? Who knows? I, I'm just saying it's easy to see how, how this script played out the way uh, that it kind of did. And um, they got pressure. You, you've got to give them credit for that. Miami's offensive line I don't think played all that good. I don't know if you have got into uh, the pro football focus, but that was kind of – Uh, disappointing yeah I mean Virginia is not only do they do some interesting things schematically um, but you know on offense in particular they they use their personnel in interesting ways right that that's a good way to put it like they are very creative and it would be a fun playbook to play with on like Madden yeah and and you don't really see that at the college level you you kind of see that more in the NFL and you know the fact that they they would put two or three quarterbacks on the field at one time. Um, you know, I think it did cause Miami some issues in terms of where their eyes were looking at, at times. Um, and Let me you ask know, you this. Jump in here. Do you, because a common theme out there is Miami's defense played bad. Do you think they played bad? 
I think it was average. You know, I don't think it was bad. I don't think it was good. I think it was average. Um, you know, I do think giving up 14 points against a power five offense in 2020 is pretty good. Like that's, that's a good mark. I can't hate on that, but I see why, you know, fans are upset. I get it. Like, and part of it too is, is, is because of what Virginia brings to the table on offense. Right. So a lot of Miami fans are upset with the soft zone coverages, which I get like it's frustrating to watch, but that's kind of what you have to do when you face dual threat quarterbacks. Um, because if you face guys like, I mean, even Brennan Armstrong, who is the third best athlete Virginia has at quarterback, but he showed he is a danger, you know, somewhat of a dangerous runner. If you play man coverage against a guy like that, he's going to gash you even more. Um, you know, when the secondary has its back turned, um, to him. So, you know, the soft zone coverage, I think is, is more because of what Virginia offers at quarterback with that dual threat ability. But yeah, I mean, it, it was frustrating to watch at times, you know, the bust, uh, by Al blades and, or Gervin hall, um, in the fourth quarter where, where they kind of had an easy pitch and catch touchdown was frustrating. And it's fair to mention too, like Miami got lucky when Virginia had a touchdown taken off the board um, due to a guy not being lined up correctly. And Virginia ended up missing a field goal on that drive. So, but you know, them's the breaks. That's kind of how it goes at times during a football game. So look, it wasn't the cleanest performance. Um, Brennan Armstrong, you know, is pesky again. And, and Virginia's offensive line, in my opinion, is actually very good. So they did a good job of neutralizing Miami's defensive line. I think they won that battle on the line of scrimmage, quite frankly. And uh, when that happens, like when Miami's defensive line isn't able to win that battle, it's going to make things much, much harder on that back seven because they're just not really as talented as that defensive line. Yeah, Miami only credited with two quarterback hurries. I didn't look at the pressures yet on pro football focus. They only had one sack, which was when Bradley Jennings came free um, on a blitz, uh, which was obviously yeah. a, a And a two huge. tackles for loss, which is like, I wonder what that is for the Manny Diaz era, like since he's come. Yeah, to that's got to that's got to be pretty low. Uh, player of the game or someone who absolutely stepped up, Mike Harley, career high 10 catches, yeah. career high 170 yards in that 43-yard touchdown. Um, by far probably the best game for him. I mean, obviously if it was career yes. highs, but I he he uh, he stepped he rose to the occasion. Um, and he I did. thought he needs he needs some credit. No doubt. I mean, and you know, one of the storylines from the game was you know, the depth chart leading up to this Virginia game, Miami listed nine co-starters at wide receiver. Did that motivate you guys? You know, this was speaking to Mike Harley after the game. He admitted, you know, it did, it did kind of um, motivate them a little bit, but they knew, you know, they already knew what the deal was. Like they needed to step up. Um, the offense needed that and, and they answered that bell. I think, 
I think the thing that impressed me the most and, and Harley falls into this category, like he is the best example of this, but what I liked a lot from what I saw with the receiver group against Virginia is how they seem to be more on the same page with the Eric um, during scramble drill situations, if that makes sense. So there was a lot of times where Derek had to scramble, break from the pocket, and, you know, he was keeping his eyes downfield. He made a lot of throws on the sideline while he's scrambling. And I think Mike Harley was a beneficiary of a lot of those throws. We saw D. Wiggins make one of those catches uh, on the sidelines. So, in my opinion, that's a good sign for this passing attack moving forward because that's when De'Aaron King, honestly, is kind of at his best, when he's able to break from the pocket, buy more time, and the receivers have that feel and understanding of, okay, this is where I now need to go to catch a ball from Derek during these situations. I think we started to see that along with the deep passing game starting to get going. And, um, you know, that was definitely one of the good signs. Uh, you could even argue great signs from this Virginia game. Mark Pope, we saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the catch on the sideline was that's what we saw in high school. He would make those those type of plays, right? Uh, and, I mean, everyone had to let me know on on Twitter right away that <laughs> you know we sold too fast to Mark Pope. But then uh, a couple of series later, a terrible drop from Mark Pope hit him right in the hands. Yeah, I mean, that's just how it's going to go. You know, I'll keep it positive, and you know, I. I he did. He did make that nice little catch on a tip as well. Yeah, that was um, in traffic. So one-handed. He does seem to like. He looked more confident, quite frankly, um, against Virginia than we've seen him maybe ever. Um, you know, he also did a nice job fielding the punts in the rain. Um, so hopefully, again, like I think the Pittsburgh game was kind of the start of getting him going. He built on that performance uh, against Virginia. I still think there's more levels for Mark Pope to rise to, yeah. you know, and, and we'll see if he can keep building on that. No, I agree. It seems like his body language um, was a yeah. little bit different. Like he, uh, I, I, like he seemed to be comfortable in his own, like he knew what he was doing and, and that was refreshing. Maybe, you know, maybe we got to credit Miami staff for listing everyone as or on the on the depth chart, and, and that kind of pushed him um, to get it together. How about Marshall Few catching a pass yeah. out there? Yeah, I think he got a first down, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, I know it for went for six. I can't remember if it went for okay. first down though. It was close, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's a product of Xavier Restrepo being one of the guys who was out, you know, or unavailable for the game. Um, but yeah, Marshall few stepped in. I was kind of surprised that Keyshawn Smith, you know, I think he only got three snaps, but again, yeah, like, I, I was going to, was he out? I thought he might've been on the unavailable list. I was, that was surprising. No, he was, he was available. Michael Redding was on the unavailable list. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to criticize when the other guys kind of stepped up. So, you know, if, if Harley Pope and Wiggins play like that, then yeah, I don't think there is a, there's going to be an opportunity for Keyshawn Smith maybe, but you know, we'll see if, if the veteran group can, can keep it going. 
Give me a grade for Derek King. 21 of 30, 322 yards, one touchdown, out of 28 rushing yards. You know, he took some sacks, so that number was down. Um, I yeah. think he probably was the difference, if we want to be honest. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, I give him an A. Like, you know, is was there a ball that, you know, potentially should have been picked? Sure. Um, did he miss Mike Harley in the fourth quarter? on what could have been a long touchdown and got him near maybe 400 yards on the day. Yes. He missed that throw, but you know, I think outside of those two plays, he played an excellent game and you know, you look at the pro football focus grades and they kind of uh, show, or they, they graded him out as the second best power five quarterback of the weekend, only trailing Wisconsin's Graham Mertz. So Oof. He uh, and his grade, I think, was a 91 point something, 91.3 or something. And I looked it up, you know, since Brad Kaya uh, was a starter at Miami in 2014, Miami had not had a, a quarterback again, you know, score at least a 90 passing grade in a game uh, against a power five opponent ever. So, you know, this is the first time that's happened at Miami. He completed the most deep ball passes of any Power 5 quarterback of the weekend. He completed six. Six passes that traveled at least 20 yards past the line of scrimmage, um, which was the same amount that he entered the game with on the season. So, you know, I have a hard time criticizing uh, any, you know, De'Ara King for his performance against Virginia. And look, you know, you, you kind of alluded to this, but I think I think maybe the way we should view this team is they essentially are similar to being like a Virginia or a Pitt. Um, you know, they are maybe slightly more talented than those teams, but really the rosters aren't that different. I would say the difference between those two teams is De'Ara King. He is, he is kind of the reason why they're winning these games. In my opinion, he's the reason they're five and one and not – you know, three and three or four and two, or maybe even two and four. So um, again, I wrote this after the game, Miami fans should just enjoy him because who knows, who knows what happens after this season in terms of whether or not he wants to come back to Miami in, in 2021. But to me, there's no doubt, like he was on point passing the ball. He was on point with escaping pressure. Like you said, the offensive line, you know, I thought Corey Gaynor had a really tough game and Virginia does a good job of blitzing their middle linebackers up that gap and Corey Gaynor struggled. He didn't have his best performance and that meant a lot of immediate pressure in De'Eric King's face during a lot of the game. So he eluded a lot of that pressure. He did take some sacks, um, but I don't think some Miami fans realize how many uh, potentially awful plays Derek King turns into decent to good gains. Um, he just erases negative plays. And that's a huge deal for this Miami team because, you know, as we saw when last year, when you have a quarterback that can't do that, you're kind of like a, a six and seven team. Um, how about Jalen Knighton? 
and Don Chaney. Those yeah. two, you know, that was got, a good development. I right. think, you know, Cam, the, again, the run blocking is not good enough. It's not. Uh, but for whatever reason, Knighton and Chaney, you know, they were able to find little creases, find little holes. And, um, you know, Virginia's, Virginia has very good run defending personnel. They do. So they do make it tough on you. Uh, but I thought, you know, in particular, Don Chaney, we saw, we start, we start to see it clicking for him uh, in this Virginia game. Like things are slowing down for him out there. He's able to find uh, the right crease to hit, take the right tracks. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the carry distribution goes during the second half of the season, in my opinion. Um, who else did you like? What else, what else stood out to you from the game? Uh, what, what did you think, of, I guess, of the offensive line combinations? It seems like, am I wrong? Did they not move some guys around? Yeah, so uh, Zion Nelson started at left tackle. Uh, John Campbell did not play. We didn't ask Manny the reason for that after the game. I'm sure we'll find out this week. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my, my biggest issue with the offensive line, honestly, is the run blocking. Um, I think the pass blocking is fine. It's not great. It's not even good. But it's fine. Um, to me, the run blocking, like, there's just not much push happening up front. Um, and, you know, I think fans are frustrated by how basic the run plays are in this offense. I do kind of understand that, but, you know, at the same time, that's by design. This, this offense is built on tempo, getting lined up quick, and, and hopefully within that, your offensive line is able to fire off the ball and get some sort of push. You know, this off, we saw this last year, too. This offensive line struggles to get consistent push in the run game. And, uh, you know, we're kind of seeing that here in these last three or four weeks. Um, so hopefully Miami can use the bye week to get that remedied. Um, you know, there are some personnel changes I would make. Like I would put a guy like, I mean, he's a true freshman, but I think he is physically talented and what you want in an offensive guard in terms of being able to lean on people and get push Jalen rivers. I would find a way to start getting him on the field, but you know, again, they see him in practice. They know what he can do. Uh, so I guess you have to trust that evaluation, but I mean, really this, this is kind of a finesse offensive line still, and it, it is having trouble imposing its will in the run game. Uh, got to bring this up. Amari Carter. <laughs> yeah. Second ejection of the game. <laughs> ACC leading fourth over the past two seasons. Um, yeah. You know, I guess I was me and you, I don't know if you were in that thread, but I was kind of defending him, uh, about why, you know, I could see why Miami would want to potentially bring him back in 2021. Um, you know, can't do stuff like that. Uh, Lead him no. with the head, and yeah, and look, he's just he. You got to play within the rules. Like that's the bottom line of this. Like you can complain about what the rule is, but you got to figure it out, man. Like I don't know. Like you're hurting the team by not being able to play within the rules. So 
to me, that's the bottom line. And it got scary, man. Like Gervin Hall was dealing with some cramp issues, I think. You know, yeah, starting the, the, like the foot, it looked like. Was it foot? I couldn't tell if it was foot or if it was a calf cramp or something like that. But that happened in the second quarter. And so, you know, they put Jalen Harrell out there. And if I don't know if you could tell on TV, but like pre-snap, Jalen Harrell had no idea what to do. And, and like Bubba Bolden and the rest of the secondary had to like, you know, break it down for him. And look, that's not Jalen Harrell's fault. He's a true freshman. You know, he's not supposed to be in that position. And he was in that position as well because Brian Balaam was unavailable for the game, um, you know, which was announced prior to the kickoff. So the depth at safety got really, really thin. Um, they ended up putting Gilbert Frierson back there. Yeah, that's what I, was, I thought I was going to say. I thought I saw it was either Frierson or like Blades almost. I thought went to the the back end but it was it was Frierson okay they put Frierson out there at safety at times in the second half and you know I didn't notice like I was busy writing by that time uh so I didn't really pick up on it at first but I did notice like Frierson and Keontre Smith were on the field at the same time and I was like no. oh wow awesome are they playing two strikers at the same no, time no no, no that yeah. makes too much sense it was uh it was Gilbert at, at safety and Keontre at striker. And Manny Diaz said, like, look, Gilbert came to us at halftime and volunteered, you know, look, I'll play safety if you need me there. The coaches have respected or have, um, you know, shouted out Gilbert for his knowledge of the defense. And they said, you know, he hasn't really ever played safety here, um, but he still knows the defense That's and understands what to do. And, you know, that's kind of a good crazy. enough job. Dude, that's yeah. insane. Like, I mean, the more I'm there was about that, one bad play. Like, he did miss a tackle, I think. But, you know, at that point, it's just like they're trying to end the game, get off the field, and Gilbert's playing out of his normal position. So you can't hate on him too much. Uh, some other things, just kind of looking at the Snapchat, not Snapchat, excuse me, snap count that you put uh, up Gerard Harrison hunt led the defensive tackles 36 snaps. Um, you yeah. know, nothing, nothing too, nothing to write home about with his performance. And that really just kind of goes yeah. for the the whole interior of the defensive line, but glad to see get him getting that volume. Um, Any, uh, what else? there was another one I, I, I saw. Yeah. One thing I think is worth monitoring and I don't, I'm kind of guessing, so I'm throwing this out there, but, I wonder if Nesta might be a little banged up. You know, he did get banged up the previous week against Pittsburgh and he kind of gutted it out, fought through it. Um, He didn't start against Virginia. He played, you know, fewer snaps than he normally does against Virginia. So hopefully this bye week will be good for him to rest up, heal up and get back for the second half of the year. Uh, Other finishing thoughts uh, heading into the bye week i mean miami's five and one uh yeah. still very much alive they will be on the bye then it's a friday night game against yeah. north carolina state um you know i think a lot of teams around the country would want to be in miami spot yeah i mean i think 2020 in some ways you know unless you're one of these four super teams you know unless you're alabama clemson ohio state georgia uh, I think the theme of 2020 for 
99% of the teams is kind of, you know, that cliche survive in advance and, you know, stack up wins because at the end of the year, I don't think anyone's going to care that Miami barely beat Virginia 19 to 14. I think they're going to care about the final record. What does your final record say? So, you know, I think I agree. Miami's in a, in a pretty good spot going into this bye week Um, There's still plenty of areas to improve and get better. I think this team can improve and get better. I think there are other levels to reach um, and we'll see if they get there. But yeah, I mean, Miami's in a spot where when this 11 game schedule was first announced and, you know, you and I kind of broke it down. I think if we all said to everyone, Hey, Miami's going to be five and one going into this bye week everyone would have taken it. Right. Oh, for so, sure. Let's so. not forget how last season ended. Um, and right. some, you know, I, I think you could make the case that Manny is like, figuring out how to win these close fought games where things right. might not be clicking or, or everything might not be together or some type of something happens, um, you know, where things don't go your way. Uh, right. I, I thought when the field goal was blocked, I'm like, Oh man, here we go. This is not, you know, sure. What, what, it, that those things start snowballing, but they grinded it out. Like, and I think you have to learn how to do that as a head coach. So that is encouraging if you're a Miami fan to see him progressing, um, see them finish figuring out how to finish games. And yeah, there were still things that um, they probably could have done better. Like I think there was four or five minutes left and they were snapping the ball with plenty of time left on the play clock when they should have been trying right, to right. E- extend the game. But you know, a win is a win right now. And, and you just kind of keep trekking forward. Yeah. And to your point, you know, I, I wonder how many six win teams from 2019, you know, particularly at the power five level, how many teams that won six games are going to, you know, potentially win, you know, eight, nine or 10 games this year. Uh, That's a hard jump to make. Miami is making it to your other point. I do think this team plays really hard and I know that's corny to say, but it does matter in college football. This defense plays really, really hard. Uh, Derek King kind of leads the offense and that group believes in him and they play hard for him. And so when you have a team that believes in itself and plays hard, the potential for improving is there. And so we'll see how that goes in the second half. Um, All right. So David, me and you, I'm sure we'll probably do one or two podcasts during the bye week. Probably very recruiting. Probably one. Probably one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one. All right. One. We're just going just one. It'll be a recruiting episode. Yes. Right? Yeah. You. So I want to pick your brain because you got out and saw and we maybe we should bring Gabby on too for his thoughts. But you got out and saw, you know, Miami Northwestern take on Miami Central. You saw Miami Palmetto play Miami Booker T. Washington yeah. loaded, loaded. And you saw a bunch of Miami commits. So, you right. know, I think I think you know, I'm alluding to this, this roster essentially being a little better than Virginia and Pittsburgh. How, how you change that, obviously, is with recruiting. And I am excited about this 2021 class. And I want to start picking your brain on, on how good this 2021 class is, in your opinion, and if they can kind of be the starting point of getting the talent level and depth on this roster 
to where it needs to be, um, you know, with, with the high standard that is expected of the Miami Hurricanes football program. Well, I, I look forward to that conversation. I, I will say, you know, for all the, all the moan, moaning and groaning, Miami 5-1, and one, rank, probably ranked yes. inside the top 10 of the polls, and they have yes. like a top 12 recruiting class right now with two five-stars committed. I mean, uh, you know, geez, I, I don't know what people Think expect. about how far they have come from last year. Like, I know. I around know. that last year at this time, they probably had like just lost to a terrible Georgia Tech team in overtime. Um, I mean, I get it. Like, you know, we're all fans. We all want to see Miami like come out and dominate this Virginia team. That didn't happen, but they still got the win. So um, enjoy the wins. All right, guys, we will talk to you later. Take care. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.